Thank you again for your welcome, and we join together in worship. How clearly the sky reveals God's glory. How plainly it shows what he has done. Each day announces it to the following day. Each night repeats it to the next. Our scripture reading this morning begins in the Old Testament with Joshua. Joshua 24, verses 14 to 22. And you will find that in the Church Bible on page 232. So Joshua 24, the heading for this chapter is Joshua speaks to the people at Shechem. Now then, Joshua continued, honor the Lord and serve him sincerely and faithfully. Get rid of the gods which your ancestors used to worship in Mesopotamia and in Egypt and serve only the Lord. If you are not willing to serve him, decide today whom you will serve. The gods your ancestors worshipped in Mesopotamia or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are now living. As for my family and me, we will serve the Lord. The people replied, We we would never leave the Lord to serve other gods. The Lord our God brought our fathers and us out of slavery in Egypt, and we saw the miracles that he performed. He kept us safe wherever he went among all the nations through which we passed. As we advanced into this land, the Lord drove out all the Amorites who lived here. So we will also serve the Lord. He is our God. Joshua said to the people, But you may not be able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God and will not forgive your sins. He will tolerate no rivals. And if you leave him to serve foreign gods, he will turn against you and punish you. He will destroy you, even though he was good to you before. The people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to them, You are your own witnesses to the fact that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they said, we are witnesses. And now we turn to our scripture reading from the New Testament. And we go to John chapter 6. Now, chapter 6. There are two headings because they cross over two chapters. One is Jesus, the bread of life, and the other is the words of eternal life. And you can find this on page 125 of the Pew Bibles. John six, fifty-two to 71. 
This started an angry argument among them. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. Jesus said to them, I am telling you the truth. If you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in yourselves. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them to life on the last day. For my flesh is the real food, my blood is the real drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood live in me, and I live in them. The living Father sent me, and because of him I live also. In the same way, whoever eats me will live because of me. This then is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the bread that your ancestors ate. They later died. But those who eat this bread will live forever. Jesus said this as he taught in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his followers heard this and said, This teaching is too hard. Who can listen to it? Without being told, Jesus knew that they were grumbling about this. So he said to them, Does this make you want to give up? Suppose then that you should see the Son of Man go back up to the place where he was before. What gives life is God's spirit. Human power is of no use at all. The words I have spoken to you bring God's life-giving spirit. Yet, some of you do not believe. Jesus knew from the very beginning who were the ones that would not believe and which one would betray him. And he added, This is the very reason I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father makes it possible for him to do so. Because of this, many of Jesus' followers turned back and would not go with them anymore. So he asked the twelve disciples, And you, would you also like to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life, and now we believe and know that you are the Holy One who has come from God. Jesus replied, I chose the twelve of you, didn't I? Yet one of you is a devil. He was talking about Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For Judas, even though he was one of the twelve disciples, was going to betray him. May God bless this reading and aid us in our understanding of its words. Our subject is choosing and being chosen. A suitable subject, I suppose, for this communion service at the beginning of a week for a general election. 
I promise you that this is no party political address. <clears throat> and so I was led to this very difficult passage, really, from John chapter 6. And I think we can look at four ideas. Dejection, rejection, selection, and yes, election. So we shall have to move quickly. Dejection. Does your faith ever make you feel dejected, disappointed, let down? Jesus doesn't call us to an easy way. And often there are times of testing which, of course, lead on to new opportunities, opportunities of new life, eternal life. That's one of the important themes of this chapter. His followers were on a high. They must have been those who had been there, that wonderful experience, not only Jesus teaching them for a whole day, but the feeding of the 5,000 then why, soon after, when they're gathering together with their questions, is he Messiah, can we make him king, they're in the, the synagogue. Why does he put them back, as it were, with this controversial saying? It goes on and on. As we've heard it, Jesus said to them, I'm telling you the truth if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in yourselves. And then he, he follows that up. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up to life on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is the real drink. And it goes on after that as well. And at the Lord's table, this place of unity, these are diversive words. And it's depressing how over the centuries they have divided Christians. Now obviously they can't be taken absolutely literally. Jesus is not offering his real flesh, his real blood in that sense. This isn't cannibalism as was one of the accusations given to the early Christians. But there's one extreme of taking these words. Believing that Jesus' real body is there in the bread or the wafer and the wine. We associate this mostly with the Roman Catholic uh, approach to this meal, the Mass. And then there's the other extreme of taking the meal as a simple memorial. Jesus' words, do this in remembrance of me. I suppose we are, most of us, nearer the memorial end of the spectrum. But all I can say now about this is that this challenges us to open our minds and our souls to the possibility that there is more in this meal, perhaps, than we have, over the years, ever experienced. More. And 
Jesus really with us as we receive him, as we feed on him by faith. And here, even today in receiving this simple meal, we can receive also his gift of eternal life. Or as he says again in this passage, God's life-giving spirit. At all events, his giving his flesh and his blood for us points us on beyond the, the Last Supper, a few hours, to the climax and the deepest mystery of all. Jesus literally this time giving his flesh and his blood on the cross. So from dejection, we don't go on to rejection, do we? As many did that day. But our way surely is selection. Choosing to follow our Lord and to say yes again to him. As Peter does. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. I wonder sometimes for myself what it would be like if the Christ part the God dimension was somehow sucked out of my life. No more prayer or at least efforts at praying. No more fellowship with fellow Christians. No more ongoing purpose or ultimate hope. All the color would be gone. Life would be flat and pointless. As indeed it must be for so many people around us, although they try to fill this void in all sorts of ways which don't really satisfy. Following Jesus is not always easy. But once we have really met him, there is no real alternative He only has, he only is the means of eternal life. And again, this is an opportunity to bring our special praise to him, God's wonderful gift to us, and to come to him and commit ourselves to him at his table yet again. Selection. But Who does the choosing, really? Jesus said to the twelve on that occasion, I choose you. And this points on to chapter 15, the passage about the vine and the branches, where Jesus said it even more explicitly. You did not choose me. I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear much fruit. The kind of fruit that endures. (laughs) Which leads to the vexed question of election. 
not the type which we shall be involved in on Thursday, but the problematical knowledge that it's God who chooses, who calls, who elects someone in a special way. And does he therefore reject others? This is too deep for me anyway, and we've got no time to look at this in any depth. But let me just drop two thoughts for you to take away. First, if we feel the call of Christ, and surely all of us have been attracted to him in one way or another, then we can look back and we can know that he has been at work before we realized it in our lives. And this is reassuring. Christian vocation is not simply our initiative, our preference. Although, of course, we can respond in whatever way we feel we should. We are given free will. But this is God's will drawing us in. And the second thing is that if, when God in Christ calls us, it's for a purpose. A purpose beyond ourselves. Go back to that Old Testament reading, Joshua. Decide or choose today whom you will serve. And that was necessary. Because God had already chosen them, the Hebrews, the Israelites. But they were his chosen people. Not for their own benefit, not for their own glory. Although they often forgot this. But to bring blessing to the whole world. Again, as Jesus was later to say, chosen to bear much good fruit. And so where in practical terms does all this bring us today? Surely as Christians committed to the world and to our neighbours, we should cast our votes on Thursday, if we possibly can. But we must realize that in this that it's not what I would call a direct Christian act. The majority is not always right. As we see from this reading, John 6, when the many walked away from Jesus. On the other hand, the the one person who stands out isn't always right. The chapter ends with that other great mystery of Judas. I'm quoting from memory now, not a very good memory, but I'm sure it was Winston Churchill who said something like this. Democracy is the worst of political systems until you look at all the others. Democracy does at least nod towards the importance of the individual, each individual. 
and the possibility of a change of leaders without a bloodbath. But the Bible ideal is not democracy, it's theocracy. God, we would say God in Christ, in control of everyone and everything. Now, we can't hope for that in national politics and where countries do try to say that they are being led by God, it often leads to disaster. But we can pray that through the complexities of voting, and we're not all going to vote the same way, I should imagine, God might work his will in his world. And that through individuals, those chosen, we in our choosing, and they, when they choose to go a certain way, the Spirit of Christ might be injected afresh into our national life. I think of that old science demonstration, I I don't know if it's still done in schools, the iron filings. (laughs) These iron filings placed on a piece of paper like grey dust. And then a magnet is brought and put underneath. And the paper is jogged. And the iron filings go off in different directions to make a pattern a pattern with its focus on the the poles, the magnetic poles of the magnet. Now, not all of us are aligned in the same direction. But may it be that together we make a pattern of life which directs to God's pole of power and influence in Jesus Christ. Howard Williams was a past president of the Baptist Union, an eloquent Welsh Baptist, Reverend Dr. Howard Williams, ended with with an important ministry in London, and before that he was in Leeds as well as other places. And he stirred up quite a lot of controversy in Leeds while he was there at a time like this by placarding outside his church these words, general election, one lot of sinners out, another lot of sinners in. But that was right, wasn't it, really? Because... Christ has come to deal with sinners, to attract us, to work with and through us. And so perhaps the two signs of the cross come together this week. The voting cross on Thursday and the cross of Calvary, which we remember around this table.
We choose to be one with Christ in our communion. Because he has chosen us to be special parts of his purpose now and eternally. So let each one of us, trusting that his will may be done and his kingdom come, recommit ourselves to him. Now, for this week, and forever, as for me, I will serve the Lord. So let us continue in prayer, particularly prayers for others. Lord God, in this election week, we pray for our land, Scotland, Great Britain, its peoples and its emerging leaders. May those soon to be elected to represent us, nationally and locally, be your choices for their character and uprightness, their care for others, and their desire to serve, as well as their party policies. Be with us at this time, whatever our politics, whatever our station in life, And fill us with your spirit to make a positive difference for your kingdom in and beyond this your world. Grant us and all our neighbours real concern for the needs before our eyes and a vision for the wider picture. For you are the Lord and Saviour of all the world. We add our prayers to your longing for peace in every place and life blessing for every person. In places of private need, as in the more publicised lands of poverty, disease, famine and disaster, of wars and civil wars and ethnic conflicts. We ask for your miracles of resolution in situations beyond the resources of our world's leaders, the countries of the Middle East, of Africa, North and South, of South America, of the countries of different sizes in Asia, as well as the prosperous nations. And yet we would be thankful too for what we have to share, for our pleasant environment Work with those who seek to preserve our beautiful countryside, 
and those who enhance our towns and cities. For our daily bread and so much more, we are thankful. And pray for those who bring us so many good things and those who serve us. We are grateful for our own lives, our families and friends and colleagues, our church, and for all those who are close to us. Lord, our closest friend and brother, you enter into all our human feelings, laughing and crying with us. And we pray for those who have been mentioned in particular need today. And here you are praying with us. Accept, enter and use our prayers now. Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.